Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, man. So uh, do you consider yourself a podcast knowledgeable person? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so, too. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's actually accurate. I mean, I, look, if we if you and I were on a desert island and we needed to get a podcast going to get us off the island and it was just you and me, uh, I, I would say you would be the guy that we would have to defer to. Yeah. Out of us, two, I think I'm the guy. I'm the guy you, for sure. You're, you're the guy for everything else. That would be me. Yeah, of course. I mean, podcasts, that's me. Survival, coconut milk. That's you. Good looks, hair, you know, all of it. <laughs> That'd be me. But uh, I, I would have to say that our, our next uh, guest that we have would actually, if, if this were the case, uh, we'd have to give all of those crowns to our guest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. Do you believe me? Well, let's have him prove it. All right, let's prove it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marketing Geeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right. Welcome to the show. Um, our first guest is a author, a speaker, a teacher, a podcast interview marketing pioneer. Uh, he has written the book, Podcast Guest Profits, Grow Your Business. And um, there's actually more to it, but my eyes are terrible and I can't read that. But we'll ask our guests about that in a second. And uh, he was a Navy veteran who ran a nuclear power plant and inbound marketing uh, engineer. It, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Schwab. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And, and uh, uh, I have a lot of questions for you about what you've been doing and, and how you've been doing it. But first of all, um, tell us, uh, give us a kind of a, for our listeners who don't know, give us a little rundown about who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And so that proves that you can do podcasts or podcast interviews from anywhere. Is that a real place? Kalamazoo? Well, that's where, when they put me in witness protection plan, that's what they said. <laughs> to tell me. It is a real place. It's halfway between uh, Chicago and uh, Detroit. So it really exists. It, 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 it honestly, it sounds like a city in a Dr. Seuss book, you know, <laughs> it, it does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once upon a time, what do you do? There was a guy from Kalamazoo, you know, and, and would you know that he had a Groot too? <laughs> and what's a Groot? Well, why don't I ask you? <laughs> I have a five-year-old and I read a lot of Dr. Seuss. I can't help it. Sorry. 
So, uh, so uh, tell us, uh, tell us how, how, first of all, how did you get into podcasting of all things? Well, it's, it's a long story and, uh, you know, really it's an evolution, not, not a revolution. So I started out, like you said, as an engineer, I was a Midwest kid, uh, never been more than a hundred miles from my home. And, uh, then went in the Navy, uh, got into the Naval Academy on a technical error, um, I have no depth perception and they didn't catch that until my senior year, but they still let me be a nuclear power officer. I ran aircraft carriers, the power plants there. So it really taught me that everything's a system. Everything can be refined, taught. Uh, and I took that into the corporate world. I worked for uh, as an engineer in a medical device company that is sales and marketing, and then really got into my own company and where I started to use the principles that I had learned uh, with inbound marketing. You know, it's uh, as all marketing geeks know, you know, using content to attract, engage and delight customers. And, you know, a dozen years ago when we were building up an e-commerce customer or company, that was that was content. And so back in 2004, I thought that the content had changed. It wasn't blogs anymore. It was podcasts. And I I hypothesized that you could use podcast interviews almost like we used to use guest blogs, you know, to tap into an established audience, get that no like, and trust. So we started to test that, refine it. It really worked, wrote a book on it. And uh, people told me, you gave me the cookbook, but I don't want to be the chef. You know, I want you to do it. Let me be the guest. You take care of the rest. And so we started to test that at the end of 2015, uh, we took it out of beta and made it interview valet in early 2016. And now we've grown to a team of 18 people, uh, all based in the United States, but uh, not everybody wants to live in Kalamazoo. And uh, we serve about 100 clients. And uh, to me, it's it's amazing. It's sort of come full circle. Here I am in the, you know, halfway between Chicago and Detroit, but uh, still I, I get to see the entire world uh, through uh, through podcasting. Now, did you did you say you started in 2004 with podcasts? Did I catch that right? Or were you saying that you were you were working on blogs back then? Uh, blogs back in then. So with the podcasting, we really started about 2014. Okay. Okay. That makes a little more sense. I'm like, wow, you were really ahead of your time if you were doing podcast stuff back in 2004. I mean, it existed back then. It just wasn't, it wasn't very mainstream. I will say. Yeah. It was almost too early. It was still, uh, if you want to, you know, it's been called that we're in the golden age of podcasting right now. And I, I believe that, you know, in 2004 it was more like um, the hobbyists and the ham radios of uh, podcasting. So how did you, um, uh, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about Interview Valet and and what, what it's about. Sure. So we're a, a full service podcast interview marketing agency. And, you know, that's, that's buzzwords, right? What it really comes down to is that we've got clients that want to get in front of their ideal audience. Uh, one of my things I look at today is that everybody talks about breaking through the noise. And I think, honestly, most of us are just adding to it, you know, and I think a lot of people that are saying break through the noise are the ones that are selling everybody microphones uh, and megaphones. Um, so with that, I believe that the best way is to, to get in on the conversations that people are already listening to. And so that's what our team does. We focus on three verticals, not necessarily where our clients are, but where our clients' clients are. And that's business, 
faith in Christianity, and health, nutrition, and wellness. So we've got relationships with 3,500 uh, of the great podcasts in those um, in those verticals, and we're really making the introductions. We're helping our clients um, learn the best practices. We're preparing them for each interview, really, so they can show up, they can be the guest, and we can take care of all the rest. So, so what does that mean? Like if I were a client of yours, uh, what would, what would kind of the deliverables deliverables be for me? Sure. And it could vary per client, right? So uh, it could be an author that was coming to us for a virtual book tour and they come and they say, Hey, I want to get this book out. Um, right around the time of the launch so I can hit a, a chart. Um, I want to have, you know, 30 podcasts um, that would have my ideal listeners on it. And we would work with them to identify those podcasts, to uh, get the host to invite them, to prepare them for it, to get them the equipment, um, and then ultimately work with them to to move people from being just a passive listener uh, to an active visitor to their site and ultimately, you know, an engaged reader. Other ones could be, uh, you know, brands, a lot of software service companies um, where they just realize that every new customer uh, is so profitable and they just need to get out there and, and talk about their service and why they built it. So they may come to us and say, hey, you know, we'd like to be on four podcasts a month and we've got, you know, two different speakers, you know, uh, one's a female founder and the other one's a male founder. So they may go on even different podcasts to talk about that. Uh, a lot of author or excuse me, uh, coaches and consultants uh, for them, they're trying to fill up their funnel, you know, with uh, with clients. And since they're selling not so much a product or service, but trust, they really need to get out there and, and tell their message uh, and what makes them different. So we really uh, look at it from the individual client. Heck, we've got some clients that are just doing it for the SEO value because they realize how powerful it is to to be on podcasts and even get the backlinks. Yeah. So uh, what do you do? Like, because uh, occasionally I'm sure you run into somebody who's like, hey, I'm I'm promoting my uh, my book or whatever. And when you talk to them, they're like, I want to promote my book and I want <laughs> to be on it. like, how do you deal with somebody? A little robotic. <laughs> right. Like, how do you? How do you deal with somebody who just does not have any type of presence? I try not to make judgments, but our entire sales process is more a qualification process. Um, At the end of the day, I don't want another customer. I want another raving fan. And so early on, we looked at it and said, what's the difference between somebody that's, you know, gets good results with this and somebody that gets great results with this? And it really boiled down to three things, message, market, and machine. And what you're talking about there is the message, right? Are they interested in being interesting? Um, do they have stories to tell? Uh, can they carry on a conversation? Or do they not let somebody get a word in edgewise? And if we see any of those, we may say it to them, but chances are you're not going to change somebody. If that's the way they are, we'll just say that I don't think this medium works the best for you. You know, uh, one of my favorite tweets out there is um, from Rand Fishkin from SEO Moz. And he said, the best way to sell something today is not to sell anything, but to earn the respect, awareness and trust of those who might buy. So that's what we're looking for in message. And then in market, it's like, do they know who they want to talk to? You know, do they know their ideal buyer persona? The people that come to us and say, I want to talk to everybody. um, (laughs) They never do well. Or the ones that can't serve them because they don't have a product or something to help the people with. 
right? I, I have never been able to figure out the return on investment of, I want to build my brand. Um, that's really hard to do. And then finally, we look at the, the machine, right? When I hear you on a podcast interview, I am going to go to your website. I'm going to go to your social media. And if they don't build you up as an expert, I don't care how you do on your, on your interview. You know, if you're, if your social media looks like you're in the witness protection plan and, you know, your website looks like it was built in Y2K, um, we'll tell people you need to get that fixed before you try going on a podcast interview. So what, what other what other pieces do you think need to be in place? So let's say the machine aspect of this um, when you're when you're working with somebody. So not only the the look and the aesthetics of a website, but are you helping them to actually construct like a back end funnel that includes some kind of like an autoresponder that captured leads? Or um, do you do you typically drive people to like strategy consulting calls or what, what, what's uh, what's the kind of is there a, a one size fits all model or is it like totally specific to every single person? Yeah, we really focus on just our zone of genius, the podcast interview marketing, which is really taking them from the interview to the website page. And we build welcome pages for each one of our clients. As far as the funnels and everything, there are great people that do that. Um, it's not something that that we do. We we would look that they have the ability to capture leads, to nurture leads. We'll talk to them about the best offers off of a podcast interview. You know our our studies have always always shown um, that you know it's best to give them three ways to say yes. You know, a small yes, a medium yes, and then a heck yes, uh, where they come with credit card in hand to talk with the wizard. Uh, <laughs> but as far as um, you know, building their CRM for them and all the rest of that, that's really something that uh, that they need to have in place before they even start thinking about podcasts. Can you share like a, a very, like a success story of one of your clients that's uh, that came to you, got booked on a couple of podcasts, and then you know had some like crazy revenue return um, from it? I mean, uh, oh, yeah, and I, you know, we've got a lot of different clients, and some of them don't do closed loop marketing, right? Um, so they just say this worked great. I got lots of clients. Uh, we've got some lots of software service companies, and I love them because. You know, they know their cost of lead acquisition and cost of customer acquisition. <laughs> exactly. um, and so, you know, while we can't share their numbers that they share with us, they're like, this is the best performing um, channel they have. And it's not that they're getting more leads from it, but they're getting better leads. Um, I think of uh, an accountant we worked with, uh, Craig Cody. He's a sort of or he's a, uh, um, a, a fractional CFO and. I love him because he actually knows his numbers and reported them at a meeting so I can publicly say them. Um, and he said he got 600% return on investment at 12 months and 24, uh, or 1200% return on investment at 24 months. You know, another example that I always point to is I was on a call uh, a few months ago and it was a software as a service company. They, uh, uh, you know, they're, their monthly recurring revenue was right around 40 or $50 for a client and their profit margin was pretty high. And so we had gone through uh, the proposal with the, uh, the CMO and uh, the CEO was actually going to be the talent. So before they inked the deal, um, he got on the call and he says, okay, let me, let me explain this or explain this to me. He's like, so with their pricing here, you're telling me that if I get on a podcast and I only, convert one person that it would pay for itself in eight months. He says, is that right? And the CMO goes, yeah, that's right. He goes, or if I get on a podcast and I can convert 
eight people to our product for whatever, $40 a month. He says, it pays for itself in one month. And the CMO goes, yep. And he's like, what other channel do we have that pays for itself within one month? And the CMO goes, well, you know, that assumes that you get, you, you can get eight people from that. And I love it. The CEO looked at me and goes, if I can't get eight people on our product from a podcast interview, he says, you need to fire me, the CEO, <laughs> not them. So really it's, it's from that standpoint, uh, when you look, start to look at the, um, the unit economics and uh, from the standpoint of that podcasts are evergreen content. Yeah. So it's not like a Facebook spend where you spend a dollar today and it's gone tomorrow. These interviews stick around for Ever. You get the SEO value from them. You get the repurposing. Um, you know, you get the long tail with them. Uh, it's really just an amazing thing. And I think once the um, the data gets better um, and people can see it, it'll be great and bad at the same time. Right. Because once it becomes a perfect market, then everybody will do it and it won't work as well. It's almost like, you know, when banner ads used to uh, you could just you know print money with banner ads. I think that's sort of where we are with podcasts and podcast interviews right now. Yeah. And now we uh, print banner ads with money. So there you go. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, Justin and I, we started this podcast kind of as a goof. Uh, he was, he was doing a, a podcast for a client of his and he's like, Hey, why don't we do one? And so we just kind of did it. But then uh, miraculously people started listening, uh, which I, 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 I'm grateful for uh, tremendously. And it has been, uh, in fact, it's, our growth has been such that we haven't even figured out really how to leverage it yet uh, in a, in a proper way. And, you know, we, we, we will, um, but, uh, but one of those things that we've talked about is, you know, like eventually we're going to get to the point where we're creating a landing page for every single one of our guests and, uh, creating blogs around this and video content. Uh, do you produce any stuff like that? Or do you leave that mostly to the, your, your clients? We're actually starting to test that. And over the summer, I, I hypothesized and sort of challenged my, uh, my team and said, how much content can you get from a single podcast episode? And my, my thought was, is could I take my 12 best podcast interviews from 2019, repurpose all that content and, um, and make the content for 2020? And I was amazed what they were able to come back with. I think it was like 12 little video clips. Uh, they did a long form blog and it was basically just edit, editing down the transcript. You know, we got a half dozen blogs out of it, shorter blogs, uh, a long form blog, sort of a, a cornerstone content, um, lots of quote images. And I was amazed. And it's like, this is great. I did the work. You know, I can't call it work. I talked for 45 minutes and now I've got a month's worth of content. And uh, I think that's one of the amazing things about marketing today is that we can create in the way that's easiest for us, right? I've written a lot of blogs in my life, but if you tell me I've got to write a blog, it's a homework assignment. If you tell me I get to talk, oh, that's fun. But I think it's great that we can create the way we want and then repurpose it in the way other people want, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, asked one time, well, you know, 50% of the U.S. population, you know, listen to podcasts now. Um, when do you think that'll get to 100? And I'm like, well, you know, 
TV and radio never got to 100. 10% <laughs> of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. They're not going to listen to the podcast. But it doesn't mean you can't take a transcript or make a blog out of it and they can't enjoy it that way. Yeah, or even uh, even transcribe it and make a book out of it. I've seen some people taking a series of interviews and turning them into you know ebooks and using something like Amazon CreateSpace. It's not far fetched. It doesn't take long. It's easy to do. He's got to you know edit and format the uh, format the transcripts. And the flip side of that too. I mean, you can take a book and make that into a podcast. You know, a podcast doesn't have to go on for uh, forever. But if you got a 12 chapter book, you could break down each chapter in a month and maybe talk about it the first uh, first week, then talk about a case study, bring somebody in. Um, it's it's so great that you can take content and move it from one area to the other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, because not everyone's listening to podcasts, not everybody's, you know, uh, on LinkedIn uh, looking at memes. And I mean, there, there's so many different ways that you can break down content. And, you know, we we've. We've talked about this a little bit uh, on the show. And uh, so uh, what, what, uh, let me ask you this. Why, why out of all the things that you did, why podcasts? Like why not just basic marketing? Like what led you down to this specific path? Well, I think the opportunity is always in the newest thing, right? Um, I was Gary Vaynerchuk, I think he was the first one I heard it from that said, you know, marketers F up everything. And so the opportunity in billboards is way past. The opportunity in um, robocalls is way past. But I looked at what's the new thing and really audio. And it's the, the new version of the old thing. And I really think that audio is the future more than video just because, you know, we're an on-the-go nation here. Um, and people can listen to the audio whenever they want, wherever they want, whatever speed they want. I was listening to a uh, a book by a futurist out of Stanford, and he made the point that he felt that vivid audio was the future, not video, just because video gets dated. You know, we I watch um, Wall Street and it was a great movie, but now it's funny because he's got this great big cell phone, or the, <laughs> you know, the styles look different. Where all of a sudden you start judging it, whereas audio, you just sort of listen for the content. And the other yeah. thing, too, with with audio, I don't think it is prejudicial. Right. So if if I watch a video, do I look at somebody and say, well, you know, they're too young to be an expert or they're too old to be an expert or they don't look like me um, or you know, I start making judgments. Whereas on audio, you're really judging it by the uh, by the content. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, Spotify has been nabbing up all sorts of different audio podcasting uh, companies. Uh, one of the things that really blew my mind recently, and, and it, I just had this moment of like, oh, I saw the big picture of what they're trying to do is they, you know, because they make these personalized playlists of based on stuff that you have been listening to or stuff that you like. And, uh, you know, they just recently started including podcasting in in their uh, suggestions and and uh, allowing podcast streams to be part of those lists. And now they have a new uh, automated playlist that's called Your Morning Commute. And it's your favorite songs mixed with your favorite podcasts. And I was like, oh, they're replacing radio. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. So I, I fully agree with you. I mean, this is this is definitely the future and uh, radio will never get old. I mean, it just it just won't. 
Uh, Edison Research did a uh, a study every year. It's called, I believe it's Share of Ear. And this most recent year, they said that um, for the first time, podcasts are bigger than terrestrial talk radio. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't see radio um, lasting too much longer. Maybe... Uh, uh, maybe the uh, if the U.S. government ever gets its act together, they'll take that radio frequency and finally give free internet to everybody. That that was one of. Uh, sorry, here's my soapbox. I'm pulling it out. <laughs> totally separate right rant. <laughs> but but uh, you know there was a, a few years ago when the the U.S. government took the bandwidth of radio and they sold it at for practically nothing to huge companies, and that drove me nuts because you could take that bandwidth and use it for internet. And give free. I mean, if they imagine if they gave free internet to every citizen in this country, the types of innovation, uh, you know, that would that would pop up. It would it would solve a lot of issues. But anyway, I digress considerably. <laughs> well, on um, that platform, I'm voting for you uh, the next election. All right. No, all right. no, I, I am so unqualified. Do not do not. I mean, I've I've done I've been to Burning Man twenty times. I've done too many drugs. <laughs> I, <laughs> like don't don't do that now uh, I, I wanted to say something because uh, i think what you what you're saying about the um podcast like taking over the the everyday kind of being the everyday medium are um i, I think you're absolutely right on one of the, if i was doing like a swat analysis though i think one of our threats would be like the invent of self-driving cars because if uh if self-driving cars become like a regular thing then commutes could switch to video or video content now I do uh, I do agree with you that there are some advantages unique to audio that are not there with uh, with video, but I also th- kind of think that if if people were able to drive their cars without looking at the road, which is still probably going to be illegal for a long time because you'll need to you know be looking at the road even if you have a self driving car, um, it's it, it may be a threat to the podcast medium as a as a whole. Although it might just switch to where everybody has like a Joe Rogan style show where they're you know, they're filming themselves in studio and that's the medium. But what do you think about that? Do you think that's a threat at all? Or do you, or do you see this lasting through that? I don't think it'll be a threat. I, but I think you're right. Certain people have to watch it and they like to watch it. And that's, that's how they get their information. Um, You know, uh, years ago they said print is dead. Well, that didn't work out so well. Um, Certain people like to read books. They like to feel the books. Um, For me, I'm an auditory learner. Um, so I really don't want to watch a video at two X speed as I run, you know, at half X speed. Um, so I think there's going to be different mediums for different people based on, on what they prefer. I think the point you make though is very um, strong. What's a podcast, you know, um, Gary Vaynerchuk has an audio only podcast. He's got, puts the videos up on YouTube. Does that mean it's a podcast? He'll, he'll put them on Facebook. Does that a podcast? Um, Honestly, I think 10 years from now, we're going to look back and laugh that we called it a podcast, right? Because I, I asked my two youngest daughters a while back, what's the pod stand for in podcast? And you know, now they're 22 and 20, but they just rolled their eyes at me and said, I don't know, dad, what's the pod stand for in podcast? They, they've never known a world with an iPod. To them, it was always a smartphone or listening to it on computer. So, you know, it's really just on demand, on demand media. Oh man, I, I, I had my, uh, I was talking to my, uh, my niece, uh, one time and I, I said, okay, I'm going to hang up now. And she says, why, why do you say hang up? Why do you hang up the phone? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh man, that's, uh, uh, that, that was almost as bad as the time. Uh, touche niece, touche. She's talking on the phone to a friend and she's like, yeah, no, hold on. I'll ask. 
um, who's Stevie Nicks? And I, uh, I was like, you know, someday someone's going to ask you who Britney Spears is, and and then you're going to know what I feel right now. So, um, <laughs> but again, I digress. So, so uh, okay. So, what what do you uh, what do you feel is makes the best recipe for a podcast? Like, if you were when you are kind of priming your clients to get on different podcasts, what uh, what what do you feel makes for a compelling show? Yeah. And I, I think this is evolving. You know, if you ever look back at like early television or early radio and you scratch your head going, people actually watched this, man, this is awful. And I think look back at some of the early podcasts, it's the same way, right? So when we asked all the guests, the same five or six questions, it was easy for the guest. It was easy for the host. There wasn't a lot of competition. So you know, we didn't know how bad it was because we hadn't seen anything else. But to me, and and those shows are quickly dying off and they never really converted that well. We always saw that. Um, what I'm seeing now is that the best podcasts are conversations. Um, and I almost say it's like going to a, um, a coffee house or a coffee shop, right? It's a Denny's or whatever one is local to you. Sometimes the podcast is at 8 a.m., Sometimes it's at 2 a.m. when the bar gets out. Just different styles of podcasts. But it's the same thing. It's this authentic conversation that you get to listen into. You know, you can't turn around and watch it because that would be really rude. You can't get in on the conversation because that would be rude. But there's something about that voyeurism side of us that we just want to sit there and listen to it. And it's just really interesting. And so to me, that's what a great podcast is. And um, it doesn't have to be formulaic. They don't all have to be the same. But to me, if it's an interesting conversation, it's an interesting podcast. And I 100% agree with you because I know people that are doing the the Q and A format. You know, identical questions and answers every day. And and there and there are. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a negative, but I, I but I would find it extremely tedious, extremely boring. It's not something that I can listen to on a regular basis. And I love the dynamic nature of conversation. And that's why Andres and I kind of committed very, very early on that, you know, our show is not scripted. We don't we don't script the questions. We don't script the interviews. We just come out here and we free flow and we take the conversation where it will go. And yes, we do alienate some people because of that, because sometimes we get a little bit off track on the uh, on the subject matter at hand. But we don't want to compromise our kind of personalities um, to appease a few, you know, a few critics. So we uh, we do listen to our reviews. We read our reviews, things like that. But uh, yeah, one of the it's kind of funny because sometimes I'm like, well, should we be just like purely teaching content and nothing else? Or should we go down these rabbit holes and take the conversation where it goes? But ultimately, I, I for me as a podcast host, for me to be able to continue to do this week in and week out, it has to be entertaining for me also and for others, <laughs> right. I'm sure. So I think we have to do it this way or we would lose interest and we wouldn't be able to continue to produce content like this. So it's just kind of an interesting conversation because we do get feedback that people are like, you're, you're getting too far off topic. Uh, Andres went on some political rants and. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it, and I, it, it's funny because it's some of those things I, you know, actually some of the reviews, like the three-star reviews, that have valid points. Oh, yeah. we, we've actually made adjustments to the show based on valid uh, points. Like shortening our intro, for instance. We shortened our intro because that was a valid point, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and another person's like, 
Well, you know, I think you guys are too political, but I, my my feeling on that is like, look, marketing is politics. It, you can't get around that. And uh, and and some of the things that happen in politics affect marketing. And yeah. uh, I used to I used to work in the uh, in the entertainment industry, and there was a big issue because they would uh, test uh, for a while. They were testing movies that were R rated to people who were thirteen to see how they could market to that age range. And, uh, and, and the government had to clamp down on that. So, uh, you know, it, it, we, there, there's a balance to all of this. And so, um, it's interesting because especially being entertaining by running a podcast is also a form of marketing, uh, these days. And, and my, I just wanted to just say real quick, cause my take on the politics thing is like, uh, we're never going to tell you like who to vote for. We're never going to try to influence your, uh, I don't I will. influence your opinions on that. I will. Okay. You I will. are, that's fine. But, um, but what I do want to do is I do want to be able to have conversations. Like we had the conversation about like Colin Kaepernick and Nike. We have conversations about things that get political in nature. And I want to have those mm-hmm. conversations, but I don't necessarily want to take it to where I'm going to tell you how to think about it. That's all. Yeah. So anyway, another tangent. Thank you very yes, much. But relevant one, I think. <laughs> but but that said, so so going going to to touching on that particular subject, you know, about about the whole concept of being uh, authentic and being, you know, just speaking your mind in in podcasts is there is there when you are working with your clients is there ever a podcast that you tell your clients like stay away from that particular host or do you just try and get people on as many podcasts as possible no it's it's definitely a match right it more is not better bigger is not better better is better and you know there's just there's the dynamics and you know we've got an algorithm that we look for for the uh what podcasts we look at but there's also a little bit of art to it are these people going to have an interesting conversation you know uh, a phd in in marketing or economics may not be comfortable on this show but you know what you wouldn't be comfortable on his show you know is it going to is they are they going to mesh there um and also we look at people that aren't easily offended and don't want to be offensive Right. Uh, to me, yeah. we should be able to have a, an open conversation and a dialogue. And that's one of the things I, I love about podcasting. So if somebody you know comes in with the attitude of that, they're ready to pick a fight. There's very few podcasts that are set up in that format. And, you know, I'm not interested in, in starting to get into that vertical. You know, our, our mission is to personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of people they could serve for the betterment of all. So if somebody doesn't come into that where it's not, they're not focused on the betterment of all, I'm not saying they're bad, but it's not good for us. And it's the yeah. same way with the podcast. If if it's all, you know, yelling and um, being offensive, I just, I, I don't know that we've ever tested that, but I just can't see how it would ever convert well. Yeah. And there's enough of that out there uh, anyway. Um, I, I'd actually like to go back in time with you a little bit and and ask you about the genesis of of the company when you started it. Uh, what what was the first moment that you felt that this might be a lucrative business for you? Like what what was what were you doing just before that, and how did you end up, you know, starting the business and really doing this full time? Uh, that was like the fearful moment because my you know there's a reason that the the orange in our um, in our logo is HubSpot Orange. You know, I was an early e-commerce customer from HubSpot. Uh, we were one of the first case studies. It was uh, Beretta USA and my company that were their first e-commerce case studies. And so I built the company up from a regional player to a national leader, sold it off. And I was sort of in this sabbatical phase. And I thought, 
I was helping some people with their digital marketing. I was just in a mastermind with them. And I could see that they didn't like doing blogs and the blogs weren't working nearly as well. So we started to play around with the podcast interviews. And I was really amazed. You know, we were seeing great conversion rates, the backlinks, all of this. And I'm like, this is really neat. Well, I didn't want to start a new business at that time. That's why, you know, I wrote a book and I, I um, actually did a online course that I never took out of beta because it sold well, but people were telling me that, yeah, I'm really not using it. Or the people would say, oh yeah, the course was great. And you'd look at the back end and you'd realize, dude, you didn't get through chapter two of six, you know, ask me for your money back. I'll give it to you. Yeah. I've heard a stat. I've heard a stat in online courses that it's like the average is like 15% completion rate or something like oh, that. It's so, so low. It's so low. <laughs> and, I, and I felt bad. I, you know, I was like, I don't want to just take people's money. This is not the goal of this. So the people that were really honest said, you know, you've given me the cookbook. You've given me some videos to show how to do it. You know, I don't want to learn how to do this. I, I want to be the guest. You take care of all the rest. And I was just like, oh, that sounds like an agency. That, that's a lot of work. And they kept saying this and I'm like, okay, well, let me, I'll beta test it. And this was uh, fall of 2015. And I started to beta test it, honestly, to prove that it wouldn't work. <laughs> and when it started to work, um, I'm like, wow, uh, this, this is working. And we had, you know, people telling people we, you know, we got all of our, um, well, still to this day, we get 70% of our clients from referrals, either from podcasters, agencies, or other customers. So it was really early on where I, I was more kicking and screaming into it because I just wanted to write a book and, and do a course. And uh, instead we built an agency and I love where we are right now because the agency has gotten big enough with 18 people that I don't have to do all of the day in and day out things. I'm more the chief evangelist officer and that's what I like to do. And I think you said some really important fundamentals of marketing that get missed a lot because most people want the uh, the one and done. They want to write the book or create the course and then never think about anything ever again. And that can work. But like you said, if you want to build a tribe of raving fans, um, digital courses don't tend to do that because of this percentage of people that never complete them because they the numbers say that people don't complete these courses. And if you want to create raving fans, you actually have to give them successes and they have to have results. And so that's, uh, I, I think that's an important fundamental. And it also comes down to the idea that you're thinking like a long game versus you're trying to get short-term profits from a course or a book. So I, I admire that. And I, I think that any, I mean, after interviewing lots and lots of entrepreneurs and continuing to have these conversations, I think that everybody that really has uh, sustained success are the, are the ones that are taking that kind of long-term mentality and they understand the importance of actually bringing results to clients because of the referrals and the back end of things that happen after the initial sale. So, you know, and, and, and I also think, that, you know, you bring up a valuable point, which is you never know where the road's going to take you. I mean, the thing is, is that I, I uh, you know, and, and you have to also know when to pivot uh, because I was, you know, I started off basically building a, 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 a some sort of agency. I knew I wanted to work for myself and I knew that this mobile marketing was going to be a thing. I got into web development because uh, nobody knew really how to do it. But then after web development became so simple with like uh, Squarespace and Shopify, I knew that I had to pivot out of that. So, you know, you've, you've got to constantly evolve. You've got to constantly like try to try things out because you never know where the road is going to take you. 
Yeah. And we tried, this was the thing we tried. I mean, Andre said that earlier, but like we tried the podcast. We, we did not know where this was going to go. And um, this has gone a lot further than we initially anticipated. It was one of those things, like you said, where it was like, we're going to test it, but uh, it's something we've stuck with. I remember probably, it was probably 14 years ago. I wrote a business plan for e-commerce company. And I always say it was the best piece of fiction I've ever read (laughs) and, and ever written because, you know, every, Every graph was up and to the right. And looking back on it, you know, years later, it turned out better than I had planned. And you never know, you know, so you you listen to the customers, they tell you what they love, they tell you what they loathe, and you just have to be smart enough to do more of one and do less of the other. Yeah. And, and also listen and tune into the right voices and tune out if they're in the wrong ones, because there is yes. some deciphering there. And I like, um, we've had two people, I think Pat Flynn was the first that said, like, don't read the one star reviews and don't read the five star reviews, but look for the three star reviews, because that's where you're actually going to find valuable, uh, valuable information that you can adjust to. So, so Tom, what would you say, how, what would you advise somebody who is maybe, you know, they're trying to figure out their own business. They don't know really, you know, maybe they're working for somebody. They want to get out of that job. What would you advise somebody to kind of take the next steps in taking that leap like you did? Yeah, it's, um, I fought it for a while. So early on, you know, um, I was in a government job, right. And when I left that, my dad told me I was a fool right? They just stay with the security of a job. And then later on, I went to a, a straight commission job and he called me a dang fool hmm. or words to that effect. He's like, well, how could you like leave the security? And you know what he realized and, and what I realized early on was that your security comes from your ability to produce, not from who signs the front of your check. And so I I think there's this false sense of security that if I stay here, that this is the most secure place. Um, To me, the more people I can have signing the front of my check, the more secure I have. So that diversification. And also that we're in a different world today, right? We're not in a world of scarcity. We're in a world of abundance. And I heard uh, Mike Maples, who is one of the big investors in Twitter and Uber, he talked about how the world has changed over the last five years, right? That there's abundant choices, abundant calories, abundant customers, right? We all don't need a million or 10 million customers. You know, it's that a thousand true fans uh, that was the classic article there that is all a band needs. And I would argue that most of our agencies, all we ever need was a thousand true fans. And so looking at that as an individual, it's like, what can you do to go and, and find those true fans? There's something that you already know that's that zone of genius that you don't have to change anything. You just have to find the people that value that. And it's not it's not more and more and more. It's just better and better and better. So that's one of the reasons, like I uh, talked about earlier on, you know, we're not always just looking for another client. We're very particular about who we bring on because we don't want the churn, you know, the churn that that online courses get. You know, today it's it's never been easier to sell something online. Heck, just be a penny cheaper and you can sell it, but you're going to lose the business the same way. Uh, to me, you know, it's it's never been more important to to have that lifetime value of a customer and to have the repeat customer and uh, and really playing the long game. And yeah. I, I don't think you need to be, you know, Coke or Pepsi with their marketing budget to do that today. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I, you know, we we talk a lot here about building your tribe and, you know, being in your niche and really, you know, don't not trying, as you said earlier, like don't try and please everyone. You're not gonna please anyone that way. 
when I was uh, first starting out and I was getting clients, the worst thing I ever heard from people was when they would say, uh, I would ask them like, who's, who's your target market? And they would say, well, it's everybody. And it, you know, it, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> and if you think it is, then you're, you're going to have, you're going to climbing up a, a, a very large hill. So it's great that you have figured out, you know, what that that target market is going for that fan base. And um, so from from here, do you uh, do you have any sort of idea of where kind of the next pivot might be coming on the horizon? Yeah, I think it's going deeper in what we already already are doing. And part of that is through partnerships. Right. We all focus on the problem that we solve, but sometimes we don't focus on the problem we create. So from that standpoint, yeah, we get people on podcast interviews that it helps them grow their business. It helps them go from, you know, obscure to acclaimed. And then they come back to us and say, well, what more can I do with it? Yeah. And we have to say, well, uh, sorry, that's, you know, uh, that's all we do. And I don't want to start doing other things, but there's enough other partners out there. So that's where we started to go out and said, um, you know, how can we find um, people to to do the blogs for them, to, to do the videos, to repurpose the content? Or in the same way, you know, clients come to us and say, oh, man, I love being a guest on a podcast. I, I want to start my own podcast. Can you help me? You know, to me, that's like asking your dentist if she can do your knee surgery. Yeah, she's smart. She's hardworking. She could figure it out. But that's not what she does. She'll refer you. So we're starting to work that too and saying, okay, how can we have a series of partners and relationships so that we can help people by introducing them to somebody that can help them? Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, um, you know, collaboration now is going to be the new superpower. We're never going to be able to grow organically fast enough. Um, so the best way to do it is just, you know, radical collaboration. And I agree with you, but being a connector of people is so valuable. Just making it the proper introductions for people just adds, it just develops deep relationships. It adds tremendous value. And it's something that, um, I think is going to be more and more important in business. But what's nice about being like having your own podcast is that we, we build a huge network of connections just by through the interview process. Like we're, we're attracting, PR companies that are sending us like, like interview valet or like other companies are sending us leads of potential guests. And we're building a network of these people that we can connect to clients in the future. And it's a, uh, it's extremely valuable in that regard because we have, we could build strategic partnerships that could have, you know, commission back ends, but also for something like you, if you get in, if you find a strategic partner to develop the podcast, you're also developing podcasts that could later be used for your podcast guests. And so you're adding, this is that other element where you're adding value to this show because you could be sending them guests in the future. Um, now that you've kind of found them the right person to build the show and, and, and you have that extra piece of value to offer that you, cause they have that existing relationship with you. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. So um, uh, we're, we're starting to get to the end here, but I, I have a kind of an unrelated question. I'm going to go all the way back. When you were uh, running a, uh, a, a nuclear power plant, and that was straight out of college, you said, right? I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a scary thing to know that there's straight out of college kids running nuclear power plants. Because <laughs> right out of college, I was working in in a flower shop delivering flowers, and so uh, what 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 was that experience like? Like just sitting on top of this gigantic like thing? Like what what, what was that like? 
you know, it once again, what's ordinary to you is amazing to other people. Since going through it, it was just like, well, everybody around me was doing it. It, it seemed pretty normal. But one of the things that it really taught me is that, you know, anything can be taught, can be systematized, can have a culture to do it safely. Right. And I not to get in politics, there's different people that have different views about nuclear power. But the Navy has never had an accident. It's never had a release. And these are, you know, on average, 22 year old people that are doing it. And so sometimes when people tell me, oh, you don't understand my business, it's too complicated. I'm like, if you can teach uh, 22 year old high school educated people, by and large, how to run a nuclear power plant, you can teach them your business. Right. It's it's not that they don't understand it. It's that you don't understand it. And, yeah. and to me, it's not what keeps me awake right now at night is not that there's a 22 year old out there operating a nuclear power plant. I'm OK with that. I'm what scares me is now there's these young guys that are my age that are like admirals and generals, and they're way, way too young to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, you know, it's kind of funny because as uh, as I get older and my eyes are failing me and my, you know, it takes me a little longer to recover and it takes me a lot faster to gain weight. Uh, but I do appreciate the wisdom that uh, that age brings. And it's kind of funny because, you know, there's a lot of people who are older running for uh, president right now. And the question is like, well, are you know, is that are they too old? And I, I think, you know, there is something to be said about paying attention to the wisdom of our elders. And I think that we disregard a lot of elder people and their wisdom, uh, you know, that they've picked up along the way. We, we kind of give over everything to uh, the youth of our world, especially in the West, but, uh, and, and we kind of shove the, the older people away and disregard what, what their knowledge base is. But Man, you could pick up a lot from from older people. Yeah, and that that scares me in some ways because I, I would almost guess that my grandfather would be better equipped for the future than say my grandchildren will be. Now he he wouldn't have understood any of the technology, but he would have understood the strategy. If you would have told him what a podcast was, he'd have no idea. But if you told him instead of going to the country club and meeting with people there and getting introduced. All you got to do is put these headphones on, talk in this speaker, and you can get introduced to thousands of people. He would have understood exactly how to use that strategy. He does sound like a, a wise guy, but uh, I've tried to explain podcasts to my mother-in-law and she's like, <laughs> what is this? Oh. Well, it's it's like, it's a radio show on, on the computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of, but it's not on the radio. Like, you know, it's uh, so... Yeah, but the flip side is my my uh, youngest daughter, this was years ago, she came to me and she said, Dad, you need to be on Instagram. And I said, why? And this was really, really early on. She's like, because everybody's on Instagram. And I said, define everyone. And she said, me and all my friends. <laughs> and I'm like, you're junior high. It would be creepy if I was there. But she knew the tool, but had no idea on the strategy. Well, which is the conversation that's yeah. happening right now with TikTok, right? I mean, like there's Gary Vaynerchuk is going on a rampage telling everybody to get on TikTok, but the primary market is 14 to 18 year olds. Now there, so that's a that's debatable, but it's the <laughs> exact same conversation I would say that's happening right now where uh, we're here. I, I got to say TikTok is pretty awesome. I've been, I've been on like, it's just fun. It's like really just a fun 
uh, platform. And that said, uh, just please, everyone, kill your Facebook and and get off of Instagram <laughs> and destroy WhatsApp. Uh, Facebook is an evil, evil, evil company. Mark Zuckerberg However, is a robot. Thank you very much. I still have WhatsApp and Facebook and still pay for ads on there. And I'm sorry, Andres, if I offend you. You do. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? I, I told uh, my biggest client uh, that we should not run any Facebook ads because I, I I feel so strongly about not giving any money to uh, Facebook, and I know because I've said this, uh, Facebook will crush our algorithm. <laughs> would not put our stuff out there, but I don't care. Because and right now, there's somebody in 2025 listening to this, laughing at us, just the same way we would laugh at somebody if we heard him talking about MySpace. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Well, uh, man, this was a great conversation. I I really appreciate. Uh, your wisdom. Where can we find you? Yeah, um, just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash marketing geeks. One of the things we found is that make it easy for people to connect with you. You know, don't put your phone number, all your different emails, just give them one place. So interviewvalet.com forward slash marketing geeks, and you'll see exactly what a well-performing welcome page looks like from a uh, podcast interview. I'll put a free copy of my book there, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy, that uh, checklist that we talked about. And there'll also be all my social media and uh, uh, my calendar link. So if you'd like to get together with me or somebody from our team and see how you could use targeted podcast interviews to grow your business, we'd love to talk with you. Just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash marketing geeks. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. So if you listeners want to just go to the show notes for this episode, we will have uh, all those links available, including his social media and the interview interviewvalet.com forward slash marketing geeks link as well. And I can connect with you on LinkedIn and I just sent you an invite. So you better accept it. (laughs) And I'm the the only Tom Schwab in all of Kalamazoo. um, So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, so uh, before we wrap up, I want to find out, Tom, what are you geeky about right at this moment? I am geeky about public speaking. I've been behind the microphone so many times, like 1,200 interviews, and I've just started to to talk on digital stages, and it is a blast uh, when you talk and actually people look back at you and ask questions. I was scared to death at the beginning, but that's what I'm really geeking out now, just getting on physical stages as well as digital stages. I was just on a podcast and somebody asked me, like, what's the number one like skill set you would ask a young person to learn? And I said, it's public speaking because everything in business in 2019, 2020 is public speaking. Whether you're doing a podcast, you're doing speaking gigs, you're even if you do a book, I would argue that a book is to book more speaking gigs. That's like the that's like the more important function <laughs> of a book. That would be my argument to that. Um, but I believe yeah. that if you want to build like credibility and an authority for your brand, you better be out there doing videos, podcasts, public speaking events. That's how you build authority. And that's how you build credibility. It's a brand in this uh, modern era. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Justin, what do you got? I just watched the Breaking Bad movie, El Camino. And speaking of witness protection things, like got to uh, get Jesse Pinkman into hiding. Um, it's uh it was, it was, don't pretty, give it away. I, I don't want to know. I got to see it. Giving it away. I'm just kind of like, you know, he's running from the law. Uh, it's a, it, it's, it's worth checking out. It's good. I don't know that it's like fully necessary, but it was, uh, it was definitely a nice little callback to the show. I also saw the Joker movie and I'm a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix and the, uh, the Joker movie. So 
those two. It was good, huh? I thought so. I, I thought it was amazing. So, um, you know, there's the, the most of the negative reviews I see are about the violence and, and uh, but, you know, and I understand the time we live in. But as far as a movie goes, I thought it was incredible. No, it's a it's a Joker movie. What do they want? I don't know. You know? It doesn't even kill that many people. It's only like a handful. Well, I uh, yeah, I definitely have to see it, and I don't have to worry about uh, someone. You know, they they haven't made a big deal about shooting up movie theaters here in the Netherlands because uh, guess what? You can't you can't get a gun. So uh, I'll see it in in safety. I guess maybe who knows? Uh, but I, I I did find out today that uh, they found a family that has been living inside of their. Uh, basement of their house for like the past like 20 years did they think there was a nuclear apocalypse or something is that why they thought the end times were coming and so they they just lived in like the guy raised his family under like in, in underground in, in his house and if you it just it, they just broke this news so that's nuts and that's here in the netherlands so i guess I like that's like, isn't there like a tv show that has like that exact premise that already exists <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I am. I am watching. Uh, my geeky thing is actually uh, a rewind. I am rewatching the uh, a show called The Leftovers, which was on HBO, which is completely bananas. It's uh, it's very surreal. Uh, it's about what happens when one percent of the population uh, on Earth completely disappears without any explanation. Kind of like the snap, right? Uh, and uh, just how people. Thanos took out fifty percent. Well, in the in in the uh, the snap wasn't as strong in the leftovers. It was only one uh, percent. But it's it's interesting because it it gets into how people react to that, both uh, from a personal level, but also there are people whose faith gets deepened because of it, and other people who start joining these weird cults, and other people who find themselves and find their faith through it. And uh, it's it's an incredible show. I I, I got to check it out. I got to check it out. Oh, it's it's in my opinion probably one of the best shows ever in the history of television. Now, now what about you, Tom? Are anything in the world of movies or television or Netflix or streaming like anything that you're into on those on those regards? Oh man, it, I binge on different things. Uh, the one we were just going through was Shit's Creek. Oh yeah. Uh, Somebody else mentioned that on the show. Yeah. You're the second person, <laughs> second guest. Yeah. I'm um, I'm probably late to the game, but uh, uh, it, that's just amazing. Canadian comedy to me is funny. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll definitely check it out. Uh, and uh, thanks again for being on the show. And with that, here is another fine episode of the marketing geeks coming to a close. Yeah. We are so happy that you have been part of it. And if you want to be a guest on other podcasts and you want to shortcut the learning curve and really accelerate, you know, good one, I highly suggest that you connect with Tom, go to the interview, interviewvalet.com forward slash marketing geek link and get started today. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who would like to uh, get yourself booked on a lot of podcasts, of course, go to um, uh, Tom's website and make sure that you uh, get his free ebook. Once again, the uh, the URL is interviewvalet.com backslash forward slash marketing geeks, and you get the free ebook. Find out more about his business. And uh, yeah, if you want to be on the guest on the show, reach out to us here. We'll, uh, we'd love to hear you. Go to marketinggeekspodcast.com, leave a review, let us know what you think, how we're doing. And 
with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are the Martini. Stay classy.